All right, here we are on the Football Lounge here with our Week 14 recap. If you didn't check out our Friday episode where we covered the very riveting action between the New England Patriots and the (laughs) Pittsburgh Steelers, please go check it out because I spent a good deal lamenting the Pittsburgh Steelers, or at least as I know them uh, right now. But a lot happened here in Week 14, some shakeups in the divisional standings and the playoff seedings, and that's going to be the case for the next uh, four or five weeks as we get ramped up to the final uh uh, the season finale here in the nfl so mark uh i'll toss it to you for for any any takeaways from this week before we uh we launch ourselves into this recap well listen if you thought last thursday was tough with uh mitch trubisky versus bailey zappi have i got a plate of doo-doo for you easton stick versus aiden o'connell yeah uh, this thursday night get ready for week 15 is gonna start off with a literal like poop yourself bang it's just like a good god why why do we watch it but it's football baby so of course we're going to watch it um listen dan i think the 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 thing about this week i think there's two things to take away from week 14 that i know we're going to get to right now the season's not over so like don't like we all want to jump right away now to like the cowboys going to win the super bowl you know what I mean? The Chiefs stink. The season is not over. You got a lot of games left. And also, I think the other thing to really think about overall is that log jam in the AFC. The wild card spots, the AFC, how many teams are like, who's going to rise above it all? It, it's so hard to predict right now. So crazy to look at. Joe Flacco, <laughs> maybe, maybe the, the man who's playing the best football of all of those seven and six teams. The dude who wasn't even on a roster until three weeks ago uh, may actually have the Cleveland Browns being a, a team that has a legitimate chance in the AFC with how messy the AFC has become. That's that's what we're dealing with right now is as guys who are trying to analyze football and talk about football, I got to start thinking about Joe Flacco leading a team to the playoffs. He wasn't even on a roster three weeks ago. So you got to pivot. You got to be ready, to, ready and willing to pivot. And also I think the biggest thing is season's not over like these were some some bad losses for philadelphia and for for uh the kansas city chiefs but that by no means means that we may not still have a rematch of the super bowl last year and this year's super bowl philly and casey are dead yet yeah some of these teams the ones you just mentioned right there are going to be probably just fine they're just hitting a rough patch which a lot of teams do uh you know at this point of the season but obviously it's not a great time for that to happen for some of these teams as they're pushing for potential one seeds that are now starting to slip out of their grasp uh philly in particular moving themselves uh to the five seed this week but yeah there were two teams the dallas cowboys and the tampa bay buccaneers the only two this week that pushed themselves into the division lead everyone else kind of stayed the same but as we mentioned, some overall playoff seedings did shuffle. But, uh, you know, big kudos to Dallas and Tampa Bay as they put themselves in the driver's seat uh, as we get closer and closer to the 2023 NFL postseason. Transform your body into a canvas of exquisite storytelling and profound self-expression with the skilled hands of Ryan Allison. Craft custom masterpieces that tell your unique story together. Ryan specializes in color tattoos as well as black and gray. He also practices a diverse range of styles. Whether you're passionate about anime, 
fantasy, mythology, pop culture, video games, movies, the esoteric, nature, creatures, dot work, black work, or you have your own ideas, Ryan embraces your distinct vision with an unwavering commitment to passion, precision, and originality. Each project he undertakes is a labor of dedication, a fusion of research, artistic ingenuity, and profound symbolism. His commitment to authenticity is nothing short of remarkable, infusing his very soul into every creation. From half and full sleeves to body suits, awesome back pieces, to majestic front panels, Ryan is the artist for anyone seeking powerful, breathtaking artwork. With every stroke of his needle, he weaves a tale that's as unique as you are. Don't settle for ordinary tattoos when you can elevate your ink to the extraordinary with Ryan Allison. Embark on your creative journey by booking a consultation with him and proudly exhibit your story on your skin. Visit Ryan at Why Not Ink Studio in North Park Mall or check out his portfolio online at ryanallison.art. Ryan Allison Tattoos. When you choose me, you're not just getting a tattoo, you're getting an experience. All right. So as we mentioned, a lot of action here in week 14. To get we got to... the full Kadarius Tony experience last night. Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> we really did. huh? And uh, and quite the postgame shenanigans that that ensued afterwards, too. We're going to get to that for sure. When we talk about one of the biggest games of the weekend slate being the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. But, uh, you know, to your point that you kind of started off with there about the upcoming Thursday night game. Man, Amazon Prime just can't seem to get out of its own way, huh? <laughs> I mean, last year was such a bad run, and obviously they were dedicated to making year two that much better and more impactful. And on paper, coming into year two, it looked like they had a much better lineup and and were able to secure some better matchups. And then, of course, injuries happened and other things that forced some of these matchups to being just anything but uh, compelling and interesting and Man, it's just unfortunate for them because I'm sure preseason, you know, Raiders, Chargers, at least they looked were like it could be two playoff teams, two divisional teams, you know, going at each other. And and now it's, yeah, Aiden O'Connell and Easton Stick. How about it? It's brutal. Brutal. All right, let's get to the games. We already discussed that we talked about Thursday night, so no need to, uh, to, to rehash any of that. But the Buccaneers at the Falcons will start with one of those division shakeups as the NFC South now has a new leader in Tampa Bay. Atlanta had control of their own destiny the remaining month plus of this NFL season, but now they're going to need to put themselves uh, back in contention via some wins and a Tampa Bay loss. But uh, the Bucks get a 29-25 victory over Atlanta. Pretty good game, some back-and-forth action there, but Cade Otten uh, gets a big-time uh, touchdown in the fourth quarter as Baker Mayfield and company uh, kind of rally the troops, if you will. Atlanta w- scored late, took the lead, and it looked like uh, that they were going to be the winners, but Baker Mayfield and company are able to march down in uh, Atlanta at the end, even though they had a 30-yard Hail Mary attempt, uh, if you can even call it that, uh, wasn't able to to finish it off. So a 29-25 victory. And now, Mark, after, you know, I certainly had Tampa Bay as one of the worst teams in the league coming into the season. Uh, they're now a playoff team as we sit here today. Give them a ton of credit for continuing to fight. It feels like... Both them and Atlanta have had times during this season where it was time to write them off, and then they've battled back, and now here they are sitting Tampa Bay ahead of the NFC South. No one wants to win the division. I thought we'll get to the Saints game. I thought the Saints showed some real life this weekend, too. Like, 
beat they they did what they were supposed to do, like beat up on a bad team, right? They needed the that Panthers. Bad. Yeah, the Panthers being the only team in the NFC South that's not in competition. Listen, I, I think this is just going to be that that division. It comes down to every one of these teams is going to be under 500 going into that final week of just being like, all right, whoever wins the last game kind of wins the division. De facto gets a playoff game. Um, but more importantly, what I'll say is for in the long-term look at a win like this, if Tampa can ride this out and Tampa can find a way to win this division, they're going to feel a lot like the the Seahawks of last year where it's like kind of surprise. None of us really saw this coming and what that could mean for their certain players getting contracts. Could Baker get that Geno Smith three-year type of extension where we're going to ride with you Baker, but we're probably going to draft a quarterback, but we like that you're an adult in the room who can, who can use our playmakers. Now a team that we all were convinced should blow it up is still hanging around. And I got to give credit to Todd Bowles. I've never been a big Todd Bowles guy. Uh, this is a, a heck of a coaching job to inspire your team and, and to play this type of football with uh, in this bad division to to still be in it. And for Arthur Smith, feels like the when his offense struggles, his defense plays great. When his defense plays great, his offense struggles. And it's just one of those another flip flop game where I felt like offensively they did enough to win the game, um, but it, right now it just feels like they need the ultimate playmaker. They need to go get themselves a, a dude who's an absolute difference maker at the quarterback position because right now it just feels like they're so inconsistent that offensively uh it, it, you just can't rely on uh building a game plan and sticking to it and and going four quarters of offensive football throughout a game I, Tampa Bay right now it feels like the team that deserves to be in the lead in the NFC South I didn't think they would be but it feels like they're the ones that have earned it at this point in time and a lot of that's a credit to Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans. Yeah, you know, there was, uh, I, I think, a penalty that was called against Atlanta early in that final drive for the Bucks that really kind of derailed everything and, and led Tampa to to eventually score the game winner. I know Arthur Smith was really, uh, you know, animated on the sidelines about it. I can't remember what the exact play was. Um, but that just goes to show you, too, that a lot of these games and and the NFL in general, you're really one play away a lot of times. Yeah. And we we know that the Chiefs know. Yeah, the Chiefs the Chiefs very well know this. Uh, you know, you want to talk to the Saints from uh, the Saints Rams matchup of years and years ago, where that that ultimately obviously led to the pass interference being reviewable, and then now it's not reviewed again. Uh, but yeah, there's you know a lot of times one play can can dictate a lot of things, but. Moving forward, obviously, this is still anyone's division between those three teams since they are all so close. So the pressure's on for Tampa still. The pressure's on for Atlanta, New Orleans. Like It's still a must-win each week for these oh, teams yeah. because they can't really give up any ground to the competition. But I'm glad you brought up Todd Bowles because the, the question for me coming out of this is like if they win the division and go to the playoffs here and host the playoff game, is Todd Bowles, you know, like, are, are you going to fire Todd Bowles? It seems like that's a that's a hard move to make at that point. Yeah. If he gets this team to the postseason, even if it's with a uh, you know, be below 500 two, record. Two years, he's a head coach, two postseason runs. And so yeah. I, I don't know how you, how you could go away from it. Again, it feels a lot like they feel a lot like the Seattle of last year, right? Um, veteran quarterback, veteran roster, defensive coach, and they're just making enough plays. Now, Seattle couldn't win their division because of the Niners, but they just are, are surprised enough people uh, on the flip side. Again, Atlanta, I wouldn't give up on Arthur Smith. I don't, I don't think it's the coaching. That's the problem. I think they just need a difference maker, a quarterback. 
And I, that will settle so much of the waters in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. They're they're definitely you know their biggest hole is a quarterback, no question about it. Could probably use a a dominant defender as well, but their defense has been on the up yeah. uh, swing the last year plus. So definitely agree with that. Uh, the Lions go on the road at your Chicago Bears, and the Bears, you know, they seem to have the Lions number earlier this year, right? I mean, they Jared do. Goff uh, was, was you know, not himself at all in that first matchup, and the Bears just kind of gave that game away and let it slip. Yeah. This time, they said they're not going to let that happen, and they were able to put the hammer down and get a, a convincing 15-point victory against the NFC North leaders, and, you know, Bears now are 5-8. and eight. I'm wondering to you too, and you know, I don't know if this is the question you want to address right away, or you can, you know, get to it, you know, later on in your uh, response. But at this point, do you want the Bears to keep on winning because they are going to get the number one pick from the Panthers anyway? And if their second pick is outside of the top ten, you know, so be it type of situation. Or is this something where you just want them to play well but keep losing? No, listen, I always want my team to win. Like I, I can't, I can't deny that. I can't hide that. And because of the luxury of the Panthers pick, you're you're still like you have so many options. You have so many ways to add a ton of talent. Whether you take a player number one overall or you trade it for a haul like you traded for DJ Moore. So the Bears are in a, a really terrific spot. I I think um the, to me the key is since the Bears traded for Montez Sweat in week nine, the Bears defense is ranked now top five in total defense, pass defense, and takeaways. So that alone just goes to show you, I think, a couple of things. Number one, people are saying, look, maybe Matt Eberflus deserves a chance now. His defense is playing like a top five defense. I actually think this hurts Matt Eberflus. It helps Ryan Poles. I think it hurts Matt Eberflus. Interesting. Okay. Because I think what it is is when you bring in players, when the GM gets A players, it just goes to show you that players are making the difference in this game, not the coaching. Like you had one player and it goes from 30th to fifth that a good coach and a really, really good coach would have just, Hey, we got some scrappy guys, but we're still, I'm a defensive coach. Yeah. Maybe we're a 15th ranked defense and then goes to fifth part. Of, I, I really think, I mean, again, just because you start to win games, it's the first time Eberflus has won back-to-back games. I, I still yeah. don't think Eberflus should be a head football coach. Okay. Whether but can I play devil's his job for another year? I, Sorry, can I play devil's okay. advocate real quick on that? Quick on that because, you know, yes, since they got Mont- Montez Sweat in the lineup, they've been really good, and obviously he's made a big impact on this team. There's no question about that. But there is like a causation correlation effect where, okay, is it is it just Montez Sweat being added to this defense that's made them so much better, or is it finally that like the team is like starting to coalesce around Matt Eberflus's idea and plan, and he yeah, just well- needed the right the one extra player to kind of fit his scheme that you know, Again, that's, I, I'm just that's playing. Valid, I'm not even saying no, that it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent valid. I can still say I've seen enough to not want Matt Eberflus as my head coach sure. going yeah, forward. That's, that's totally I mean, great. it took yeah. two, it took two, almost two years to win back-to-back games. Yeah. Um, and overall, again, I just don't think he's built an, a good enough staff and I don't think they, I don't think he's elite enough uh, as a head coach to get my team where I want my team to be. Now, if they keep him because he wins out and he does all these things, like I'm not going to be the most angry person in the world. I, I want my team to win games. I want my team to be a winning franchise. And, you know, maybe he gets it. He's earning his way to a third year. And that's just kind of how it works in the NFL sometimes. Um, but overall, back to the actual game, I think the 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 key is 
the Bears play the Lions well. The Bears have played the Lions well even through the John Fox, Matt Nagy, uh, Mark Tressman era. The Bears and the Lions, like it's just one of those matchups that it, Justin Fields has killed the Lions in his time as a starter in, in, in two and a half years too. So I think it was just a bad, it's a bad matchup for the Lions. They were outdoors, uh, Bears coming off of a bye week. So I think there was a lot of things negative going against the Lions. I think the Lions are still a really solid team. I think the Lions are still going to win the NFC North. I think the Lions are still going to probably win a playoff game, maybe even two. I like the Lions a lot. I just think this was a bad matchup for them at a bad time. And they lost their defensive tackle, Nichols, uh, who's been really, really nice for them. And so they got to find a way now to, to work around that. The, being the Bears took advantage of that. The offensive line played well. Justin Fields is playing really, really well. If Justin Fields could play the Lions every week, uh, that he would, uh, I, you know, I think he'd be, uh, you know, perennial pro MVP. It's uh, can they can they do it against other teams more consistently? Uh, they're playing good football right now, so I'm a, I'm a happy camper, and I'm not hating on the Lions yet. I, I think the Lions will be okay. This was obviously a bad loss for them. I think Dan Campbell get it turned around just like he did uh, after their last bad loss against the Packers. Come out and they won a game. Lose the game, I think they're they'll they'll be fine to get right back on track. The schedule's still really workable for the Lions. Uh, Minnesota twice coming on up. Minnesota's terrible. Uh, they'll they'll be fine in the division. I think the Lions will be fine as well. However, that being said, of the teams that lost this past week that were really in, uh, you know, strong uh, had strongholds on the the postseason, they're the one team I'm a little bit concerned about because well I, yeah this would have gone you know, a long way winning this game would yeah. have gone a long way for them yeah for sure it just feels like they've you know their offense even has trended you know has gotten a little cold Down. in the over the last month you know yeah. so can they can they reinvigorate themselves get back to that you know yeah bark that they've had uh you know they obviously have the talent to do it they've proven that they can it's just whether or not they put yeah. it together the rest of December and into January. My final thought on the Bears, I know a lot of people tune in for my Bears thoughts. Is again, I think this game is a perfect example of what I've been saying all year. This team is really talented, and this team just needs to keep adding talent. Like they were so they were so devoid of talent a year ago. That one of the reasons we were all so positive and high on them going into this year is because they added a bunch of talent and they had a nice draft. Well, a lot of those draft picks are starting to show up because there were a lot of defensive picks. The offensive line now, the two tackles, you have a second-year player and a rookie uh, in Jones and Wright. They are becoming really, really great players. Tevin Jenkins, the guard, is healthy, and he's become one of the best guards in the league. Um, Nate Davis played okay. You need, a, you need to fix the center position. But otherwise, you're starting to see this team has got players at multiple levels. I think Eddie Jackson's probably too long in the tooth, but Brisker, Gordon, uh, you know, in the back end, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards are really balling out the last four yeah. weeks. So that's all positive. The the big time signings are starting to show up. Montreal Sweat, again, has, has absolutely elevated this defense. Now imagine if you can add another elite interior offensive lineman, another really high-end pass rusher, and give Justin uh, Fields one more elite A-level pass catcher. You add uh, – you add – Three A more players to this team, which they absolutely can do with two first round picks. I mean, this team is is really becoming on the cusp. Then you say to yourself, "Is Iberflus the guy to lead this team to that next level of winning divisions consistently?" That's why I say I've seen enough already to feel strongly he's not. But does that mean he's going to lose his job if they win out or they turn around? I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we'll have to wait to see what the off off season brings to them and how they finish the season. So it's good now, 
they got to finish four more games still. A lot still to prove it with Justin Fields and Iberflus as well. Yeah, I mean, hey, 4-0 is not out of the realm of possibility. You know, they, they've got the Browns, the Cardinals, the Falcons, the Packers. Those are yep. certainly winnable games. The Browns are going to be a tough one. They've got such a good defense, and now we're seeing yep. how Joe Flacco is playing. Um, but, you know, and, and that road game at the pa- Packers to end the season. But if they're, in, at, they're at a point where they're 8-8 eight eight going into that final game, there's so much to play for for Chicago at that point. Uh, maybe even a potential seven seed or something like that. So this could if, get very intriguing. You know, I'll put it this way. I know. spent time on the ESPN playoff predictor this morning. The Bears can make it. They have to win out, and Bears fans have to be rooting against the Rams. The Rams are the team. Okay. Rams in Seattle have to kind of fall apart to help the Bears. But yeah, they they absolutely still can make it if they if they went out and uh, the Rams lose. I think two of their last four. Well, I'll be rooting for the Bears next week, most definitely, since they play. Clean. Yeah, I know. Uh, the Colts fall to the Bengals, and just like that, uh, Jake Browning and Cincinnati have found themselves Wild. two and one under his, uh, you know, uh, leadership. They're seven and six, and they win by twenty. They don't just win; they win by they twenty. Them out at home, at home over Gardner Minshew and the Colts, who were on the upswing you know, inserted themselves into the playoff picture. Now they're back out of it. The Pittsburgh Steelers actually jumped back in uh, after this weekend. So it was a good weekend for the Pittsburgh Steelers after that brutal Thursday night showing, but the Bengals in the AFC North still behind Pittsburgh because of the tiebreaker, but the Bengals, if they keep playing the way they've been playing with Jake, Browning, oh, make- I, mean, I, I think we're, we're talking, we were, we were saying that Cleveland and Cincy were like out of the picture after their injuries both teams right now seem to be very much in the picture here at seven and six and, and eight and five respectively. And it's because both teams defenses are playing really well. And both they teams are. have offensive coaches that have come in with a guy off the street and Joe Flacco and a young kid with a, with a, with a high upside in Jake Browning who sat for a couple years here now, and they've unleashed the offenses. I mean, they, and, and both, both offenses have talent too. I mean, Njoku sure. had a big game. He's kind of a br- breakout game for him remembering how much of a talent he is. And yeah, then um, obviously really for good, Cincinnati, obviously. T- Cincinnati, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, uh, plus a really solid running back in Mixon. Oh, I, I was shocked by this game. I predicted the Colts would come in and win. I thought it would be like, all right, Jake Browning, pop, come back to earth. No, I mean, they are, the Bengals have built a roster to win now because they have one of the top three quarterbacks in the league and their backup is playing really solid football. So they're a dangerous, dangerous team. And they're playing like a team with nothing to lose. That game, the way they 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 played offensively, taking big shots, not holding anything back. They were literally just. It's like they all looked around in the locker room and said, "Fuck it, let's like we have nothing to lose here. Let's go all in." And for the Colts, they just ran into a team that just has more good players than them, and and uh, and a, and are playing with house money. And so it felt like the Colts just ran into a buzzsaw of the Jake, the Jake Browning buzzsaw. I'd still think the Colts could end up with a playoff spot. We're going to, we're going to keep going through all these teams right now, but the Browns and the Bengals have to be right now of this mesh of teams. They have to be right now. The teams you'd favor to say, uh, yeah, they, they look like playoff teams as currently constructed right now, wild card playoff teams in the AFC uh, of th- two of taking up two of the three spots. 
Yeah, Cincinnati as the 10 seed currently behind the Broncos and the Texans, but the Texans are starting to fall back. The Broncos, we'll see if they're able to continue their surge. Right There's now, so many the teams. wild card. Yeah, the wild cards right now belong to the Browns at five, Steelers at six, Colts at seven. Um, like so a Colts? lot can change, and they're all the same record. The 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 eight, nine, ten, I know. Uh eleven the Bills are in there. are all are all seven and six, and the Bills, unfortunately for them, yeah. in terms of a tiebreaker situation, are at the bottom of that group. But yeah, right now, I would sit four additional teams there. Yeah, right now, just finishing up in that game, it just feels like the Colts they're 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 not going anywhere. But it felt like this was a huge momentum kill for them and for the Bengals. It seems like now all the momentum is swinging towards them to say, "Why not us?" You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Uh, Jacksonville goes on the road and obviously Trevor Lawrence toughing it out. Hasn't lost. It hasn't missed a start in his, uh, I believe high school collegiate and NFL. Career, yeah. He's which a tough wild. And he was, he was determined to go out there after suffering a high ankle sprain. He looked pretty good. He ran a couple times in this game as well and, uh, kind of helped, uh, you know, get that offense going in the second half. But unfortunately it was a little bit too little too late as the Browns win 31, 27. We mentioned it at the top, Joe Flacco and company. Uh, you know, he's taking a drink from the fountain of youth and is looking pretty good. So the Browns get themselves at eight and five. They drop the Jags to eight and five. But, you know, good news for the Jags is they play in the AFC South right now. And the Texans are, uh, you know, potentially looking at a, a couple weeks without CJ Stroud. We'll know more soon. But, um, you know, right now the Jags still a leader in the AFC South. But, you know, are you worried about Jacksonville and are you believers in, in Cleveland at this point? Absolutely worried about Jacksonville, but the best thing they had going for them yesterday was the Colts losing and the Texans getting blown up by the jets. So all three of them lose. And so it was really a, a no sort of net loss for the Jags uh, as far as standings go and everything. I still feel like the Jags will win the AFC South because of the way the schedule works out for them. But, man, yeah, they're not playing good football right now. The Jags offensively just don't have an identity. They feel a lot like the Bills, where it's just kind of like, Trevor. Yeah, that's a good point. Trevor, go. Go, Trevor. Run some. Throw some. Make a lot of plays. And and it's just uh, it's ugly offensive football for Jacksonville right now, where it, no one's on the same page. And uh, it, defensively, they don't have the skill like a Cleveland to just rely on their defense to carry them during while their offense is figuring it out. So they're messy. They're messy right now. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Jacksonville. That's for sure. Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not have faith? Flacco looks like because he just hasn't been playing football, he looks healthy. He looks good. He looks fresh legs. And now it's like it, your season's like, you know, a, a seven, eight week season. Can he stay healthy through it all and have fresh legs through it? We'll see. Uh, but, Stefanski's calling a game plan that works for Joe. They have weapons, and that defense is so good. I mean, they are eating people alive in Cleveland. So absolutely, you should be a buyer in Cleveland. They're an eight-win team. Can Joe Flacco win two of the last four to get them to a 10-win team and sneak into the playoffs? Absolutely. And then they will be the wildcard team that every team that won their division is like, oh, I don't want to play Cleveland. Like, like they... They are going to be a nightmare matchup for someone in the first round. Joe Flacco, nothing to lose uh, with that defense is going to be, it could be an ugly weekend for one of the favorites uh, come wildcard weekend. This is interesting. Adam Schefter reported earlier 
this afternoon that Joe yeah. Flacco reverted back to the practice squad. This this obviously must be a a roster move because they just announced he's the starter for the rest of the season, and uh, and he obviously being on the practice squad could sign with any team. But you know, best situation for Flacco is clearly oh. in Cleveland, so he's going to stay. Totally, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, the Panthers go on the road to lose to the Saints, so the Saints do keep themselves you know afloat here. 28 to 6. Panthers fall to 1 and 12. New Orleans now 6 and 7. They got Derek Carr back. And, you know, Derek Carr probably looked as good as he's maybe looked. Um, yeah. Panthers you know, will do season. that to you. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that was, uh, I guess, encouraging maybe for some New Orleans fans out there who uh, maybe were calling for Jameis Winston to start some games, but it looks like it's the Derek Carr show moving forward here. But yeah, uh, honestly, Mark, not many takeaways from my side of this thing. Um, I do feel like now that Tampa is in that spot, I might have a little bit more faith at this point in the season in Tampa finishing uh, atop the division uh, because New Orleans has been a little bit too up and down, whereas Tampa has been at least relatively competitive in most of their games. And they do, do just have that kind of scrappy talent that at this point of the season in December, um, you know, tends to, to be favorable uh, to you when you're playing some of these other teams that are also fighting for playoff spots. So I would probably at this point put some money on Tampa, but New Orleans still very much in play. New Orleans just feels like they all hate each other. So getting a win just feels like they it kind of like relieved that tension. They popped the blister. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, this still hurts. Nothing is great, but at least now the tension's gone and the pressure's gone a little bit. So I, it was a must win for New Orleans. And I'll just say this about the Panthers. I was watching some. I caught some of the highlights of this game. I mean, Bryce Young. I, I don't know if he could play in this league. Like I, I'm, I've been firm of saying, like, got to give him time. You build around him the way the Dolphins built around Tua. He could be that guy. I, I don't know, man. It is so ugly in Carolina. It is so so ugly, and they have nothing. The cupboard is bare. That I don't know how they're going to start surrounding him with talent. So that is a gigantic hill for them to climb. I was very convinced that uh, Carolina would find a way to win a second game this year. I, I don't think so at this point. I'm not, at least I'm not predicting it. I'm, I'm just not going to predict yeah. it. And for new Orleans. Yeah. We'll wait and see every week. They're, they're a bipolar, you know, ex-girlfriend who's like, I'm going to never talk to you again. And then an hour later you have 38 missed calls. It's just, it's up and down with new Orleans right now. Don't trust them either. I would say agree with you right now. I trust the Bucks the most in the AFC South. Yeah, I would probably, you know, um, agree with that sentiment about New Orleans just kind of being uh, completely up and down all season long. And um, we we just have no idea kind of they where, need to blow it up they, where they, just they need consider to blow themselves. Up. Yeah, because it seems like they are acting like they are. You know, we're just right there, but they're really not. I mean, so they, yeah, you hope you can that, just tell there's something point. off. They just don't like each other. Nothing, nothing feels right down in New Orleans right now. Zach Wilson may have had his best game as a pro. He did. He had his uh, best against game. the Houston Texans, 100%. who obviously we've we've come to to realize is no slouch in the NFL this season. C.J. Stroud and company were uh, rolling coming into this game at seven and five, but the Jets get a thirty to six win. C.J. Stroud. Uh, you know, looking like he's in the concussion protocol, so we're not sure exactly what his status is for next week or even beyond for that matter. But uh, the Jets do get a win. It was a good win for them. Obviously, they're they're pretty much out of the, the playoff picture unless they really uh, somehow surprise a lot of people winning four in a row and having a lot of help. But 
I guess this was good for one thing, and that is Zach Wilson and, you know, maybe putting some tape out there to show I can be a backup in this league for years to come, or maybe some other team wants to take a chance on me next season. So from that perspective, it was good. And it also shows that, you know, CJ Stroud really was a huge part of this Houston Texans team. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to need him and need him to get back quickly if they really want to stay in this uh, race because it is tight in the AFC right now. Yeah, they can't afford – this was a this was one of those – again, we don't – it's weird to put pressure on the Texans because we didn't expect anything from the Texans. <laughs> yeah. But this felt like one of those, like, oh, you really want to have this game because it is such a log jam. And knowing that the Jags probably were going to lose, they had a really tough game ahead of them. This could have been a moment for the Texans to kind of, you know, kind of seize the opportunity – and they got blown up. I mean, they it was as simple as they got they got destroyed. They ran into a buzzsaw. Credit to Robert Sala. Credit to Zach Wilson. Both of them may have saved their jobs with a performance and a win like this. And if Zach Wilson can play even 70% this good the remainder of the stretch, it to me, you start to say to yourself, oh, okay, you can sell Zach Wilson on staying in New York, being Aaron's backup for next year. And not having to be like, because it felt like you had to get him out of the room. But this was, again, one of those wins where if, if this leads to him playing this type of football or even remotely close to it down the stretch, you could say, all right, no, again, he's just a young kid. He's needing more time. He's not a starter, but he can be. We already have him in the building, already knows the system. Maybe he's Aaron's backup, you know, going into next year as well. And for Salah, this felt like, hey, our defense balls out. I'm the head coach of this team. I deserve to be the head coach of this team. Uh, so huge victory, um, kind of a moral victory for the Jets, even though it was also a, a real victory for the Jets. It is somehow a tough road the rest of the way for Houston. They play the Titans twice, and okay. you know, divisional games like that, never you, easy. You they probably split, right? So uh, then they play the Browns and the Colts the other two weeks. Yeah, they, they got to find a way to go yeah. three and one in division. Whether mm-hmm. that's sweep the Titans and lose to the Colts or split the Titans and beat the Colts. And then you can give up that Browns game because the the Texans are a seven win team. So again, you want to find a way to get yeah. to 10 wins. That would, you'd probably secure it as a 10 win team in the AFC as a while as at least the seven seed. So find a way to get 10 wins. It's possible, but they need CJ Stroud back healthy. They need him back very, very badly. Uh, the Rams go on the road to the Ravens, a very uh, enticing game, game here. Love Baltimore this game. And OT. I called it. I had I had my 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 upset of the week on my Saturday show was the Rams plus seven and a half. I and I knew I just felt this game hundred percent. Ravens were off the bye. Rams are playing really feisty football. Puka Nakua catch of the year. Cooper Cup yeah. big game in the bad weather. Stafford's balling out. He looks healthy. He's playing really really good football. And this was a this was a moral victory for the Rams, even though they lost in overtime in a really bad way. This showed them, I think, and and to the rest of the NFL, the Rams right now are a dangerous team over the next four weeks. You don't want to play, be playing the Rams. They're going to put up a heck of a fight. They're well coached. They're just again devoid of some veteran talent. And the Rams, this is the type of loss for the Rams if they can stay around five hundred and keep losing or winning games like this where you'd say to yourself, the Rams might be buyers this offseason for that final run with Stafford, and who knows what what you know what the future could hold for them next year. This It felt like a big kind of building block on what this year was, which was just a get-right year, all those rookie players playing really solid football for them. 
The Rams are one of the best coach teams in football. Sean McVay, don't sleep on Sean McVay. Um, and uh, for the Ravens, wow, Lamar played great down the stretch when he needed to. They could yeah. not afford to lose this game. It felt like he finally like made the big plays when he needed to. And then, of course, the special teams, John Harbaugh special, special teams walk-off win. Nothing like a punt return walk-off, Dan. Um, I, I, I felt so good about knowing what was going to happen in this game knowing the Ravens would find a way to win it, but that the the Rams would be very involved in this game. There's a lot. We have no idea what's going on in the NFL. This was one of those, like, it just felt like seven and a half Rams. I, I just, I knew it all all along. Yeah. Yeah. No, you called it. And, you know, they, they've surprised me throughout the season. I obviously was very, very low on them coming into the year. And uh, maybe I just underestimated Sean McVay. I also underestimated the health of Matt Stafford, who, to your point, is still playing very, very high quality football. And the fact that they were able to get such an elite number two wide receiver, uh, you know, where they did Steel. the draft uh, just, just shows, uh, you know, how impactful that can be for a team and uh, and where they're heading. So, yeah, next year they could be running it back with the uh, a clear number one receiver and, uh, you know, one of the best number twos in the league in Puka Nakua and uh, a great young running back. And, and a lot of talent. So, yeah, fortify a little bit of that O-line, get some more defensive playmakers in there. and uh, Yeah, bring in a veteran like edge that, rusher to help around. out with Aaron Donald. You go one more year. The Rams, I'm telling you, the Rams might – I might have to pick the Rams to win the division again next year. That's how much I love yeah. this loss for them. <laughs> They're pretty – right? They they, they are they, – they do seem that close very much. It was a good loss. Yeah, six-point loss to the – uh, what we consider a top three team in the NFL, yeah. top four team in the NFL. like that's, And for the that's Ravens, really there's no shame. Like, uh, yeah, you want to blow teams out. You like you want to look better than that. But you found a way to win that game at the end when this Rams team kind of came out and unloaded the clip on you. That's what Super Bowl teams do. They find ways to win games. It's one of the reasons why I love the Eagles so much early in the season because they weren't blowing people out. They were finding ways to win games. Now, the flip side of the Eagles, it's like, oh, my gosh, now they've been blown out two in a row. Now you start to really, you know, flip that narrative for them on the opposite end. Yeah, there are some concerns there for sure. There's another concern I have with consulting Mark Hespin for, uh, for you know, fantasy quarterback advice. Oh, because, well, listen, uh, you know, I was like, hey, man, you were do I start? A rock no, and I was, place. I was right in line with you. I was, I was, uh, you know, getting to this next game, the Vikings at the Raiders. I was, uh, I, I put Josh Dobbs in there instead of Trevor Lawrence because. Uh, Trevor Lawrence coming off that injury against the Cleveland defense scared me, but it turned out that Josh Dobbs and nobody in this game wanted to find the end zone or even sniff it the entirety of the game. Yeah, uh, It was a, basically a, a game-winning INT for the Vikings helped secure a victory, a three-to-nothing win for Minnesota yeah. in this one. It was a lone field goal. Uh, and what were they saying, Mark? I believe that it was the, the first game uh, since like the forties to go into the half at zero, zero, it was something, something yeah, crazy like a lot that, of which awful is, uh, records, really bro. bizarre. Yeah. I'll say this. The Vikings officially are the team now that feels like they need to be the most aggressive in addressing the quarterback position because the rest of the roster and the coaching staff, it feels like it's really close or it's, and it's, or it's already there. It, it feels like the Vikings now are an elite playmaker a drake may a caleb williams away from being like oh bleep this vikings team now could be a legitimate contender hawkinson the two wide receivers and jefferson and addison a very solid offensive line i think they need a, a little a, maybe an, also just like a 
another really dynamic running back, a, a kind of like a bell cow back. I think this that would go well in, in Minnesota. Um, but Brian Flores is the defense playing well. If he can stick around, you can keep him. If he doesn't get a head coaching job, um, I think there's a lot of positive things going for Minnesota, except for just like they are now officially desperate for the the next guy. Like they they need it and they need it bad. And for for the 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 Raiders, they might be the second most desperate team in that way for the, for just the guy. Get me the guy because they have playmakers, man. The Raiders have playmakers. On both sides of the football, A talent, A players. I think this, the only thing I'll take of this win is Antonio Pierce again, I think just deserves the job. Just make it official. Like, make it official. Let the locker room rally around this guy. He is, um, again, I don't, he's going to bring, it feels like he will bring stability to an organization that desperately needs stability. Very much so. They are they're probably the one organization right now that you can say is in dire need of just someone to steady the ship and get this thing put on the right track. It's kind of like what Lovey Smith did for the Houston Texans a few years back, you know. Yeah. And uh and, and like that's Mike what he was Tomlin hired to the Steelers would be perfect, but I don't think this the, the Raider I mean Mike Tomlin to the Raiders would be perfect, but I don't think the Raiders can afford anyone more than Antonio Pearson. I like they're going to have to dumpster dive for a coach. And yeah. I think one fell into their lap. He's already on their staff. Hilariously, the John Gruden rumors have started to circulate of like him coming back to the, the Raiders. Like, ah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. No, so we can, so. we can put that to rest pretty quickly. Uh, the 49ers get a 28, 16 win over the Seahawks. This was a good win for San Francisco. I thought, you know, a lot of people yeah, expected them to just blow the doors off of it. Well, first off, Seattle's not a bad team. They're pretty no. decent. And Locke Granted, they had Drew Locke in play, um, but you know Brock Purdy and company, Christian McCaffrey. Yet, yeah, like you, I, I personally think I know they're saying like Brock Purdy. I think leads the uh, the MVP voting MVP. right now. Uh, but like to me, Christian McCaffrey's the MVP of this team. He has been what has allowed Brock Purdy and the other playmakers to to get open and be, yeah. and, and be able to go. I mean, Christian McCaffrey has really had a special year. Um, he has, and, and he again showed it uh, again in this one. That the 49ers needed this win for a lot of reasons. It's divisional. Um, you want to keep the momentum rolling, but also it it became even more important when you had the Eagles losing and Dallas is starting like full steam ahead, come after the one seed. You you keep maintaining the one seed. You stay in play now, and and they get themselves catapulted into a position for a first round bye, which is crucial. No matter what team you are, uh, to get that first round bye in the playoffs. Yeah, I just don't think the Niners have – I don't think anyone from the 49ers should win the MVP because I just think they're such a collection of talent and they are just built so well together and they are such Yeah, my a, vote's for Tyreek Hill right now. But I yeah. would agree. I think, And I and I know we'll talk about it here really quickly to wrap it up. I think Tyreek Hill's going to go off tonight. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a, a stamp moment for him. I think the Dolphins will win the one seed. We've, I've been saying it for how many weeks now the Dolphins are probably going to win the one seed. And I think tonight is like like a kind of a primetime moment for him to, you know, two touchdowns, 160 yards, you know, 10 catches. And it's just like this dude, he makes the Dolphins elite and he is leading them to the one seed. So I agree with you. I'll put a, I'll put a cap on this again. I don't think the Seahawks are dead. They just, they went through a really, really tough run. They're a scrappy team that can make a playoff run. Is that the ceiling for Seattle? Yeah, I think we knew that was the ceiling for Seattle when they re-signed Geno Smith. When they re-signed Geno Smith, we all said their ceiling is 
scrappy team that can make a playoff run. I still think they're that. Like, I, so mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't think there's any reason to panic on Seattle. Yeah, I I just think they they would welcome Geno Smith back. Uh, you know, for well, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this it, was smart uh, of them. Wave the white was. flag a little bit. Let yeah. him get healthy because the next four games now are your whole season. Can you win out? They they can. They just it's gonna it's gonna take a healthy Geno to do it. Bills uh, got their much needed win, twenty to seventeen over Kansas City. Yeah. Of course, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, very upset in the way this game ended because they called Kadarius Tony, Tony offsides on offense, which is a, a penalty that doesn't get called very often. But to be fair, he was offsides, and it it just it straight well, yeah. up is what it is. He he lined up offsides, and you know Travis Kelsey had one of the coolest plays I've ever seen. You know where he lateraled it back about 20 yards to Tony and Tony scored the what would have been the game winner yeah but it gets called back as he was offsides you know Patrick Mahomes was screaming at the refs Andy Reid in the postgame presser was not happy about it but it is what it is and the Chiefs had plenty of opportunities in this game they just their offense yet again for the fifth time sixth time this year wasn't able to get it done and so I'll eat crow for this one I thought the Chiefs were going to win handily and instead the Bills go to seven and six and, and put themselves still in the, the playoff conversation. So I have four thoughts on this. Number one, glad the bills won because it keeps them alive in that bunch of teams that are like, this is chaos in the AFC. And it's just, it adds to the fun of it. I think sure. overall. Yeah, it will be. Fun. So I, yep. as a fan of football, I'm just like, I kind of liked that. Number two, not only was Tony offsides, if you look at the still frame of the photo, they could have easily thrown the flag again on Jawan Taylor like they did all early in the seasons. He's lining up so far back still in that photo in that still frame. It's embar- like it's they're just a mess right now. Like offensively and and getting coached up and at this point in time, I think the Chiefs need to send a message, a, a like a, a strong message and I think one of those would be benching Tony like a healthy scratch because it is his job. The refs will tell you you're offsides if you ask the ref. He didn't ask the ref. And maybe yeah. it's because he knew in his head this was a big play. And, and, he, ju- and he, he was just lined knew- up post to the line of scrimmage. Like, he he wasn't yeah. on the sidelines. He wasn't lined up out wide yeah. next to a ref. Like, the ref's going to have to, like, shout at him. Yeah, and he could him, see know? the ball. I mean, he's looking yeah. at the ball in the He's still right frame. It's, it's an embarrassment by him. Yeah, third, third year in the league. Third point. That is the future of football, like, if you can make it work. the The laterals like that. All those rules favor the offense. And if you have talented players like a Travis Kelsey, who you trust, that is the future of football. Like those plays, it's 100% legal. It's really fun. It's awesome. And if you're getting creative play callers, the Mike McDaniels, the Andy Reeds of the world, with talented guys who could do that, who you trust, that's the future of football. And not just on Hail Mary plays. And then my fourth and final point would be, the Chiefs' offense is is very broken right now, and with the Mahomes tirade at the end of the game, the Chiefs have quickly gone. I think within the last couple of weeks here, from we love the Chiefs; they're a fun dynasty to root for compared to the Patriots. It's like an evil dynasty to root for. Andy Reid, big jolly guy, eating cheeseburgers, State Farm, like fun dynasty. They're quickly becoming kind of like ah, oh, just shut up, like. It's yeah. it, it's this taste it is, is becoming look. sour in our mouths, and you have all these other fun storylines popping up. I'm not saying the Chiefs are dead. I'm not saying I don't like the Chiefs anymore. I still like the Chiefs. I think they're they're very interesting. That I think the Taylor Swift thing is interesting. I think it's really fun. Um, 
But it's it, that was ugly. Like, Patrick, you're a two-time MVP, a two-time Super Bowl winner, and a two-time Super Bowl MVP. That's beneath you. Like, you need to go to the sideline. You need to grab the tablet. You need to look at your player and say, what the are you doing? Don't you don't be held back going after the refs. That to me is a moment. A, a really, he said. You know, I think it was Andy Reid that said this was embarrassing for the NFL. That was just embarrassing for Patrick Mahomes at the end. Like, mm. and let's be honest, Patrick, where are you? Your team scored seventeen points at home against a beat up, injury riddled Bills defense. You scored seventeen points at home. I get it. One play at the end of the game, but you only had seventeen points with one minute left in the fourth quarter. At home. Yeah. And in the past, if the Kansas City Chiefs were without Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Damian Williams, they would be perfectly fine. Them being without Isaiah Pacheco had a huge impact on their ability to do anything in the run game. So who's the MVP of this team currently? I mean, obviously, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league overall. But I would say Pacheco, and we've been saying this for a while, is the Kansas City offense this year. I mean, he's really the heartbeat of how they operate. And uh, without him, they they looked a lot different. And yes, they they don't have options uh, the, outside so of Travis Kelsey. The goat, the goat in the league right now, scored 17 points at home against an injured, beat up Bills defense in a in a really kind of a must win game. Yeah, yeah, it was an important game. Obviously, yeah, for for sure. The Broncos win 24 to seven on the road at the Chargers. The Broncos now are they're starting to stack. They're starting to yeah, look pretty good. For the good. Broncos. And uh, the Chargers lose Justin Herbert. Uh, he fractured a, a, a index finger. He's I, uh, going to be out. Um, so, yeah, we'll, I, I we'll think, see what I happens think, moving forward. Yeah, he might need surgery, I was hearing this morning. I would just, just shut him point, down. Just shut yeah, him down. At this point, I know they just can't. Like, Staley's not going to do that. I don't think Herbert's that kind of competitor either. Miss this game because it's short rest. See what happens. You know, give him, like, the full week, uh, you know, week and a half off here now. Maybe he comes back. But at this point, it feels like, the Chargers season is completely over. It's lost, and I think you absolutely need a clean house in uh, in uh, L.A. The only the only people that should feel really safe are like Khalil Mack, Bosa, uh, it, Herbert, and Allen. Like those are the guys that should feel safe. Maybe Corey Lindsley and Erwin uh, James probably, uh, and um, uh, and uh, Rashawn Slater. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, this has been a disaster season, and for the Broncos, I love this story. Like they are quietly just. Going about business, six and one in their last seven. They've completely turned it around. And I will just say this about Denver. They will they could quickly become the team in the AFC besides the Browns, who you're like, I do not want to play them. Like, please, yeah. God, if you're an, if you're a division winner, you're gonna be looking around saying, I want Pittsburgh, I want the Colts, I do not want uh, I do not want the Broncos, I do not want the Bills, I do not want the Browns and the wild card. Absolutely. The Broncos are a scary team and they can Well, they're you know, playing with house they, money. Like this is so house money for them right now. And it and it feels like that. Like their, their defense is playing so much better than, yeah. than it was at the beginning of the season. And obviously Russell Wilson has started to really click. Him and Cortland Sutton oh have really, really forged themselves a, a solid relationship where That's Sutton's great. being made to look like one of the better, you know, receivers in, in the entire NFL. So it is a fun story. I agree with that. And you know, at this point, it would be cool to see the Broncos get back in the postseason, and they'd be a tough out for sure, especially if they somehow uh, got to host a game the way that the Chiefs are starting to fall out of favor. They're only one I, game back. I don't back know if now. that'll happen. I don't know if they're that'll... only one game back. I'm just I saying know. it could happen. It very well could happen. 
Uh, the Eagles at the Cowboys. This game did not go the way either of us thought it would, and I know that uh, you know this will this will close out the show for us here. But the Cowboys winning thirty three to thirteen, convincing fashion. We thought if the Cowboys were going to win this game, it wasn't going to be by twenty. Uh, the Eagles, a lot of concerns here, Mark, in terms of you know now they're they've stacked a couple losses. I still obviously feel that they're one of the better teams in the league. They're going to. Uh, be a team that you know is still to be reckoned with in the postseason but i obviously at this point don't have a whole lot of faith in who's going to win this division because now dallas has a stranglehold on the nfc east and uh in the meantime dallas is the team that might be the hottest team in the nfl yeah and we talked about it mark we both have to eat crow now uh dallas is Dallas is the real deal at this point. I mean, there's there's no denying that they've got a lot of yeah. talent and they've proven now that they can beat an elite team. Yeah, I now my hopes lie in Buffalo to just destroy Dallas this weekend because the Eagles couldn't get it done. I think this game was more about the Eagles and just like, man, oh, man, the fumbles. Yeah, Jalen Hurts they, fumbled. They shot themselves in the foot a uh, lot. You know, A.J. Brown fumbled. Deontay Smith had a touchdown Devontae go through Smith. his hands. That game was a one-score game. And he team fumbled dropped too. the touchdown. And that could have completely turned the game around. And um, so I, I'm not, da- I'm not down with the Eagles. I'm not done with the Eagles, yeah. but man, this was a, they find, they just finished their tough, their tough, tough run. And they went two and two in that tough run with wins against the bills and the chiefs losses against the NFC opponents. That sucks. Cause it's NFC AFC, but they went two and two in that really tough stretch. So I'm not by any means saying they're dead. Cause if four weeks ago, you just said, Hey, they went two and two in the stretch. I think we all would have said, all right, Take it, take two and two because that's a that is a killer slog, and they did it. And so, um, listen, I think offensively though, they can't have their big time weapons blow up like that. They blew up that game. Devontae Smith had a bad game, fumble, drop ball. AJ Brown, big drop early, fumble late, uh, and then Hurts uh, it it doesn't look hundred percent healthy, and he him with the fumble. You're not going to beat a good Dallas team like that. And Dallas right now is the second best team in the NFC this morning. I have to eat crow on it. You're right. But I'm hoping that the Bills can uh, rewrite uh, the history and the future as we know it. Uh, I can't handle a Dallas Cowboys uh, playing in the Super Bowl. I can't do it. So let's uh, let's move. Let's let's go Buffalo. That, that offense in Dallas is, has really come along uh, over the course of the year. Dak Prescott oh, yeah. playing the best, best football he of his is. career in. And that Kudos. defense did answer the bell. I mean, he's as, the, as, if you're giving it to a quarterback right now today, he's the MVP of the league. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree in terms of quarterbacks. No question. I mean, he is really like the heartbeat of this team right now, uh, especially offensively. And there's just no stopping CD lamb. He's unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, there's just too much good going uh, too many things going right for the Dallas Cowboys and some things going wrong for the Philadelphia Eagles. But to your point, the stretch was a tough one. Came out two and two. Turnovers uh, killer. You know, better days on the horizon. But yeah, yeah, you can't turn the ball over and, and expect to win. So uh that does it for our, our week 14 recap. We got a couple games coming up here tonight on Monday night football. And then we've got some, you know, they get the Thursday night matchup, got some games coming up on Saturday and then Sunday. So yep. a lot of football over the next week uh with two games uh starting here tonight. So uh excited for that. Looking forward to the week ahead as we get more and more playoff scenarios starting to form. I imagine, Mark, as we get into the next uh, few weeks here, uh, a lot of these episodes are going to be shaped largely about these playoff pictures and, and how these games are starting to unfold. And the NFL does it with this scheduling. They always make 
uh, some of these pivotal divisional matchups come late in the season. So we should, we have a lot to look forward to down the stretch. So that'll do it for Mark and I, we appreciate all of the support as always, please like, and subscribe uh, on YouTube. If you watch and uh, check us out wherever you get your podcasts, also on social media at FB lounge pod. We appreciate it once again. And uh, for Mark, I'm Dan signing off here on the football lounge. We'll see you back here on Friday as we uh, get to recap that riveting Thursday night football game coming up this week. (laughs) 